Hello and welcome to this Net Zero Investor podcast. I'm Monica Woodley. Fueled by the urgency of the climate crisis and the energy crisis triggered by Russia's invasion of Ukraine, venture capital funding for climate tech has boomed. Despite broader market falls and a more challenging economic backdrop, estimates for climate tech VC in 2020 range from 60 to $80 billion, a potentially substantial increase on the previous year. Climate tech has become a major focus for VC investors, taking more than a quarter of total VC funding over the first three quarters of 2022, according to PwC. While not all investors are keen to invest heavily in venture capital, today's VC startups are tomorrow's IPOs and publicly listed companies, so it's smart to understand what's coming down the pipeline. Here to talk to me about this VC to public pipeline of climate tech is Noir Alsadi, Senior Impact Advisor at Scope4 Capital. Welcome, Noir. Hello, Monica. Happy to be with you again. Great. Well, let's start with the current state of play with climate tech VC, climate tech companies that are coming through the pipeline now. How many and and what types of companies are we seeing going public at the moment? Yeah, that's a good place to to start. I would just first maybe state that really the year 20, 2021 and 2022, they were really exceptional in many ways. We had a lot of volatility in, in public markets. There was a lot of liquidity that was pumped as well into the markets. And I, I believe that has skewed the percentages somehow. But if you look at kind of climate funding space, both the private and the public side in 2021 in particular, and as a result of what I explained, there was really a huge surge. We had about $168 billion going into climate solution companies. And that cuts about, I would say, two-thirds to a third, about $60 billion went to the VC side, and, and the rest of it went to the public side. There is one characterization that I, I think that is interesting for both for the private and the public. Despite the abundance of climate solutions, and there are many climate solutions, whether it's agricultural, industrial, or or residential, or renewable energy, or transportation, it's really the last two kind of sectors that took about 80% of the funding. And this has continued in 2022. Now, in 2022, we had a quite a, a sizable decline on the public side in terms of the, mm-hmm. how much money went into IPOs and secondaries and, and SPACs as well, special purpose mm-hmm. vehicles to basically acquire businesses that are in the climate space. And, and it's important when we talk about the public side of things, we're obviously not talking about day-to-day you know, trading of, of these equities. We're talking about new capital going into these companies through IPOs mm-hmm. or backdoor IPOs or, or secondaries. So on that front, public funding really declined substantially uh, by about $50 billion, while VC funding, according to the latest numbers from Bloomberg New Energy Finance, went up to uh, by about 3% or, or, or so. I will just end up with this, especially in the VC side, the numbers really vary depending which source you're looking at and what definitions mm-hmm. they are using. So that's, I think, why you cited $80 billion earlier, which has been cited by other sources. Okay. So of those companies that have been going public in the climate tech space, you mentioned that the bulk of the funding is, has gone to a couple of sectors. Could you tell me a little bit more about those? Or do you think that's, that the money is going into the right places? Or what are the, the particular ones that you th- see that you think have the most promise? I will start first with the renewable energy sector. The renewable energy sector, which is an umbrella of of wind, solar, and as well energy storage solutions, we see that public investors are putting more into this space than private investors. 
about three times as much between 2020 and, and, and the middle of last year. And, and that makes sense from, from the point of view that public investors are interested in more mature solutions, and these solutions are more mature. Mm-hmm. They're cash flowing. They're not experimental. So you see that kind of panache you know, by public investors for these kind of investments. Now, having said that, there is the other side of this, which is, in most cases, more speculative, which is the electric transportation side. So EVs were very popular in 2021 and, and in, in 2022 as well. And that's because what I call the, the Tesla bubble effect is because mm-hmm. Tesla, you know, valuation, you know, really risen to very high levels and that's often happens in public markets the investors start to look for the next tesla for the lex ev company so that created a lot of demand for these kind of ipos and a lot of them came through spacs and they are very speculative because it's it's uh, there's generally less scrutiny around the quality of these companies when they come through these uh, these type of structures and this is where we saw the big collapse between 22 and 2021 about 75 percent shrinkage in SPACs kind of bringing climate solution companies into the market so the EV sector is more I would say more of an investment fad and and I and I think it's very important to mention that the transportation sector which include EVs represent only 15 percent of global emissions and we we mm-hmm. can't have about 50 percent of both public and private funding going in this particular sector because investors are speculating on EVs. But unfortunately, that's where we, we have been at least up to uh, the end of last year. Okay, well, let's um, let's look a little bit further down the pipeline. So what are the types of, of climate tech startups that you see receiving VC funding that, that might be, you know, coming to public mar- markets in, say, you know, three to five years? And do you feel like that funding is also going to the right places or their particular uh, investment fads in that space as well? So there is amazing innovation uh, on the climate side and on the private side as well. And and that's the result of, of, of a lot of factors. Some of it is policy factors. Some of it is because a lot of VCs are looking down the line and they see that this is where the economy is going and they need to kind of nurture and, and grow and fund and support these kind of next generation climate uh, companies. Now, the comment I said notwithstanding around EVs, we're still a big part of it. And I call it in a way, it's a bit like the, uh, the tail wagging dog in, in the sense that the public market are pushing for more EVs just because of that uh, higher valuation. So that story aside, there is a lot of innovation on the VC space. And I do look at, uh, now, I mean, in my firm, Scope for Capital, we don't invest in private companies, but we obviously understand the relationship between private and public when it comes to climate. So we do track these things. And I recently put a post on, on my LinkedIn talking about the number of innovative kind of venture-funded startups uh, focusing on climate solutions, and specifically natural climate solutions. And it's really mind-blowing. I've come across a startup that is um, kind of redesigning trees to absorb more CO2. I've come uh, uh, across a company using grass as construction material that is more solid, uh, more durable than wood and other construction materials. I've seen a company using algae to make uh, sustainable fabrics. And the fabrics are not just natural fabrics, they're also healthy for your skin. So there is a lot of innovation in this space, and I find it exciting that these type of companies are getting funding. Now, to what extent and how many of them will mature enough and be large enough to go public, yet to be seen. But ultimately, we do need to see more money going into kind of 
anything but transport at this stage because we still have 85% of emissions coming from other sectors that require funding. Right. Um, and in terms of the types of investors in, in the VC space, I mean, you've, you've mentioned SPACs, and I know that there's been a lot of growth in, in that space. But what about the asset owners that are dipping their toes in, into this private market space? Any kind of differences between the, the different types of VC investors in terms of what they're interested in, what they're investing in? I think asset owners have a lot of work to do. They need to think about climate investing across the value chain because it's if you just focus on the private side, you will not be providing sufficient capital for these companies to ultimately scale in the public market. So I think so far, and most asset owners have been allocating or earmarking capital for climate within their private portfolios. And I think they need to think outside of that. And most importantly, they need to align their allocation with with where emissions are coming from. They can't just allocate mm-hmm. to climate. Good point. Put a couple of EVs there and say, here, we've allocated to climate or just you know, some renewable energy. And the point is, is we do need to fund the decarbonization of the economy across the board. And asset owners have to think about the diversification question, not just from a financial diversification point of view. They have to think about it from a climate solution diversification point of view. They need to mm-hmm. say, okay, well, we've had enough on transport. We need to have more on the built environment. We need more agriculture solutions. This is what we're willing to allocate for that, that both mm-hmm. public and private. And when they make that clear, you could see the whole ecosystem in terms of venture funds and asset managers and so on, kind of repositioning to support companies that would fulfill that demand. That's a really good point. I guess, is there anything else that you think that needs to be done in this VC pipeline to make sure that the current crop of climate tech startups come into public markets in a successful fashion? There are two ways to define success. You can think about success from an investment standpoint. You know, a company comes to the public market, it's well-received, it continues to grow, it obviously makes money for its uh, investors and and, and it's uh, having a positive impact on other stakeholders. And then you do have that climate or environmental or even bigger spectrum ESG characteristic of that company. I think that definition of success is still evolving. We have to think about success, not just in terms of counting carbon emissions. We have to think about success in terms of which trade-off we're having when we are supporting companies that are transitioning from fossil fuels to solar or wind. What does that do as well to the living environment? Are we uh, cutting down forests to establish solar farms? Are we setting up wind turbines in, in, in ecologically sensitive areas? So my point, success here is not just about just the immediate nature of what that company is doing. And now it's basically decarbonizing whatever it is decarbonizing. It has to decarbonize in a responsible way. So I think the challenge with what I'm saying, which may seem a bit vague, is that there's a lack of frameworks within asset owners to assess all of that in a structured way for them to make a judgment call on what does success look like when they are Mm -hmm. supporting a climate company? What do they want to see and how far is the outcome diverging from the baseline? Okay. Now, considering the fact that it, it takes about five years on average for companies to go public, what should investors who, who are purely public market investors, how should they be preparing for this wave of, of climate tech companies coming through? I think you've, you've already provided a few guidelines there in terms of defining success, but what are some of the other key challenges and, and how can investors prepare? 
Yeah, I mean, that's uh, that's really building on my earlier uh, response. And, and thank you for this question, Monica. Uh, so I do think for asset owners and public market investors to be ready for what's coming over the next five, 10 years, they really need to develop a very granular understanding of the climate space. They need to think about climate classification systems. They need to think about the methodologies I did uh, mention earlier. They need to understand the trade-offs when they support certain companies. And I'm going to give you an example why all this is needed. So think about renewable energy right now. When public investors think about renewable energy, they compare it to fossil fuel energy. So they say, and and actually this week there was a, a number that a trillion dollar went into uh, renewable energy, matching the investment in fossil fuels, and that's great. So they were always thinking in these terms, renewable versus fossil fuels. But in five years, it's going to be renewable energy against renewable energy. So you have to understand when you are investing in renewable energy that the solar solution that you might be investing in is competing with wind, is competing with hydro, is competing with geothermal. These solutions are not friends in that sense. They're competing. They're business competitors as well as climate competitors. So if you don't develop the capabilities today to understand that in the next few years, you won't be able to assess the potential long-term risks associated with these mm-hmm. investments. And, and that takes time. To develop the internal talent, tools, capacities, processes, governance uh, for especially large institutions to be in position to do the kind of work I'm talking about, that will take some time and they need to start working on that today. That's some really good advice for investors. Thank you, Noor. My pleasure.